0: All right. Yes, if you are um, four, age four through second grade, you can go. Got, got a good group today. Um, uh, kids of all ages. If you uh, are an active learner, we do have some um, sheets in the in the bulletin, sermon notes, right here. If you like to use that, uh, it's there for you. Um, if you uh, would please turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter twelve. We are. Continuing along our study, um, and it's, I've, I've, I hope you all have enjoyed, enjoyed this, this look um, into um, this Old Testament book that's so vital, that's so important to understanding the rest of Scripture, gives us categories that make sense of the New Testament, and, um, and things we, we, we need to know. Uh, we see that the Gospel is on every page of the Old and New Testament. Is my, am I working? No? It's on. Okay. Alright. Um, can you hear me now? Alright, here we go. How about y'all bring me some batteries just to be just on the safe side in case this goes out. Anyway. Live and unrehearsed, y'all. Live and unrehearsed. Here we go. Um, So, uh, Exodus chapter 12. Um, Eager anticipation and longing. Uh, When in your life have you felt this? If you're a kid, um, you feel that every year. You feel it Christmas, birthdays, right? You're eagerly anticipating presents, Uh, presents. Celebration, uh, Betsy, we just celebrated her seventh birthday yesterday. Um, happy birthday to Andrew. Andrew's birthday is today, Andrew Hill. So, you know, we, we, we look forward to those things. Also, if you're a kid, you look forward to, uh, to uh, Christmas break, right, which is around the corner. Uh, some of us have, some kids have the week off this next week, a whole week away from school. You've been longing for it. You've been waiting for it. Uh, even better than that, summer break. You long for it, you anticipate it. Uh, when you get a little older, it's your graduation. School will be over, college will be done. You'll have that piece of paper, and then you can go make all the monies, right? Um, then uh, or not, uh, and then or then it's your wedding day. You know, when you're engaged, you long, you anticipate it uh, for it. Uh, if once you're married, it's the birth of a child. You know, you you know, and then, and Lord willing, you know, nine months, you have this baby, and you're waiting. And then, when you get a little older, it's retirement. You're longing for retirement you're counting down the days I got my car worked on a few weeks ago and I was talking to the guy and I was, he said 23 months it was just kind of you know I don't know I'm like what when I retire because we were just kind of talking about how the business was changing and just out of nowhere it's just it gave me a countdown and I was like okay mine's a little more than that I think um, 23 months I think he had a day too, and I was like, "Oh wow, okay." Um, you long and you long for it, you anticipate it, and and so now think about that. Get in that headspace. Um, Israel has waited 430 years for what we're about for what's about to happen. 430 years to the day, what God promised comes true. It's finally here. The longing. The anticipation is fulfilled. When God arrives, Israel gets to leave. Yahweh passes over and His people get out. Hence the sermon title, Over and Out. I was pretty proud of that. Um, so, uh, let, me, uh, let me pray and let's read about how this over and out that's been longed for for so long for God's people. Let's pray. Gracious God... Um, Thank you for your word this morning. Bless us by it. Encourage us in it. Convict us where we need convicting and ultimately draw us to yourself. Help us to find rest and comfort in you, in your faithfulness, in your love, in um, your power. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Exodus 12 verse 14. This day shall be for you a memorial day. And you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord. Throughout your generations as a statute forever, you shall keep it as a feast. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. The first day you shall remove leaven out of your houses. For if anyone eats what is leavened from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day you shall hold a holy assembly, and on the seventh day a holy assembly. No work shall be done on those days, but what everyone needs to eat, that alone may be prepared by you. And you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread. For on this very day I brought your hosts out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a statute forever. In the first month from the fourteenth day of the month that evening you shall eat unleavened bread until the twenty-first day of the month that evening. For seven days no leaven is to be found in your houses. If anyone eats what is leavened, that person will be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he is a sojourner or a native of the land." You shall eat nothing leavened in all your dwelling places. You shall eat unleavened bread. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and select lambs for yourselves according to your clans, and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and touch the lentil and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of this house until the morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord, Yahweh, will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. You shall observe this right as a statute for you and for your sons forever. And when you come to the land that the Lord will give you, as he has promised, you shall keep this service." And when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. For he passed over the houses of the people of Israel and Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads and worshipped. Then the people of Israel went and did so. As the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did." Then he summoned Moses and Aaron by night and said, Up, go out from among my people, both you and the people of Israel, and go serve the Lord as you have said. Take your flocks, your herds, as you have said, and be gone, and bless me also. The Egyptians were urgent with the people and to send them out of the land in haste, for they said, We shall all be dead. And the people of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth, about 600,000 men on foot, besides women and children. A mixed multitude also went up with them, and very much livestock, both flocks and herds. And they baked unleavened cakes and of dough that they had brought out of Egypt, for it was not leavened, because they were thrust out of Egypt and could not wait, nor had they prepared any provisions for themselves. The time that the people of Israel lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of 430 years on that very day, all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It was a night of watching by the Lord to bring them out of the land of Egypt so that this same night is a night of watching kept by the Lord by all the people of Israel throughout their generations. And as the Lord said to Moses and Aaron... This is the statute of the Passover. No foreigner shall eat eat of it. But every slave that is bought for money may eat of it after you have circumcised him. No foreigner or hired servant may eat of it. It shall be eaten in one house. You shall not take any of the flesh outside the house. You shall not break any of its bones. All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. If a stranger shall sojourn with you and would keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised. Then he may come near and keep it. He shall be as a native of the land. But no uncircumcised person shall eat of it. There shall be one law for the native and for the stranger who sojourns among you. All the people of Israel did just as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron. And on that very day, the Lord brought the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their hosts. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. I've got three things I want us to see. First, I want us to look at the memorial. The memorial. That's in verses 14 through 28. Second, the moment. The moment that's been long awaited. The exodus in 29 through 42. And then finally... I want you to see God's mission in the last verses. And yes, I do like alliteration. Uh, The memorial, the moment, and the mission. First, let's look at this memorial. I love that, you know, this is so atypical. Um, If you think about what's happening, I want you to remember, what's usually said, remember what happened, right? But here, you notice what God's been doing. He's been saying this for a couple chapters. I want you to remember what I'm about to do. And he said that over and over again as he's talked about this Passover meal, these preparations there to make, the lamb and the unleavened bread. I It's important for you to remember. Remember what happened? No, remember what I'm going to do in the future. Um... It's important. He wants us to remember why. He wants us to remember, he wants them to know the truth of what happened. The truth of what happened, what actually uh, is going you know why this event is taking place and, and and you sometimes you read this and maybe you know when I was a kid or when I was younger, I would read this okay you 've got to have the lamb you've got to have this unleavened bread why why the specificity why why the why such a particular menu uh, could there be options there uh, is God just is this just to show that god 's a very exacting God, a very picky God uh, sometimes we feel that way about God no it 's all informative it's all all tied to the reality of the event. Why was it so important that there be no leaven? We talked last week about the Passover lamb, so I'm not going to repeat that. But why, why, this, why this thing about leaven? Why no leaven in the bread? Why did they have to have seven days with no leaven? Why did they have to get rid of it and not be in their house? Why was that something God would institute and, 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 and say? And He even says, if you have leaven, you're going to be cut off. Like, it's serious, right? No leaven, Why? Well, it's because he knows, God knows what's about to happen and he knows that it's going to catch Israel unaware. And what he wants Israel to remember, and he wants the generations to remember is this, that this was not Israel's doing. When you're going to go on a big trip, what do you do? If you're like me, you wait till the night before and pack everything at once and stay up till 2 a.m. Some of you are more mature than me. Or you're married to someone more mature, as I am, so I don't have to do all that. Uh, But you you pack, you get prepared, you're ready. Everything's ready to go. You know for maybe a couple weeks what you're about to do, and so if you're really responsible, you've been you've been planning, packing, putting away, even buying new luggage, right? If it's a really big trip. But God wants the people to remember: you weren't ready when it happened. This was my timing. This was my doing. It's so the middle of the night. You're going to hit the road, and you're not going to have time to prepare the dough. And so, forever for the all the generations to come, I want you to remember that this wasn't your timing, your doing. Now, later in the New Testament, we'll get some new significance out of the leaven. He'll be ta- talk, you know, he'll use that as an illustration to the leaven of the Pharisees. But right now, this is just to remember this caught you. A little by surprise. Yes, you've been waiting 430 years. This, this is what you've longed for. But it was God's doing and God's timing. He set you free. So for seven days, eat that flatbread, people. <laughs> Remember, we were on the road. We were on the move. There was no time to bake. There was no time to prepare the dough. We were eating on the run, on the go. Praise God. He did this, not us. What what else is important about this Feast of Unleavened Bread? What are they supposed to do at the beginning and at the end? Rest. 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 When you think about feasting, when you think about about Thanksgiving coming up, are you resting right now? No. It's hard to rest, isn't it? He goes, this is a feast you're going to have. You're going to prepare the lamb. You're going to have this bread, but... You started and ended by not working, by not resting. Again, what's he driving home? I'm the one that works, I'm the one that accomplished this deliverance, not you. Rest. Why do we have a Sabbath rest each week? To be, to be reminded that our God is at work, that He is the one that is is that that is pushing all things forward. It's, he is the source of life and light for us, not you and me. He is sovereign over not only our justification, but also our sanctification. He is the one that keeps moving us forward, drawing us to Him, conforming us into His image. So if He's doing it, if He's the, the great I am, if he's the El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one, then I can what? Rest. I want you to remember that you're eating on the run. Every year, every time we do this, you had to eat on the run because you weren't ready. Every year I want you to rest. And every year I want you to have the lamb because I want you to remember that if not for the substitute, you would also enjoy, not enjoy, suffer the fate of the Egyptians. It says, again, we made this point last week, in chapter 12, verse 30, someone was dead in every household, and for the Israelite, it wasn't a person, it was the Lamb. Judgment came, but the Lamb, the blood, marked. It's like, I'm looking to a substitute for atonement. Lord, because you are a God of mercy and a God of love for your people, the judgment will pass over us. And he doesn't just want the people of this generation to remember as the years go by. He wants everyone to remember. You know, it used to be that, um, you know, pictures meant something. You know, when you ask somebody, what would you do? If the house was burning, what would you grab first? was the people and the pets and then what? The photo albums, right? The pictures. And now it's all the laptops that have all the pictures, right? But now there's a cloud. And if you want to know how a cloud works... I don't, don't ask me. I, you know, and I could find out, but now I've realized there's a limited, limited space up here, and I've got to use it for the things I need to know. So there's a cloud with my pictures in it somewhere, right? Up there. Anyway, no, not really. I know it's not really a cloud. Uh, but, you know, but it used to be pictures were so important because there were people and places and events you wanted to remember, but also what? You wanted other, your children to know and remember. Like, this was your great-grandfather. This was where we were from. This, is, this was important. This, this is where your mom and dad were married. This is, you know, this is someone who's not with us anymore, but they changed my life. And here, here's a picture, and I want you to know. And, and he says, this is for you and your sons that come after you, for the children that follow after you, to know who, what happened. You know, we see this principle again in, in Deuteronomy 6. Uh, the great, the, the, as God says, He says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and your, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit at your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. So not only is the word, the law to be taught to the children, but this, this yearly feast, this yearly event points to God's Goodness is deliverance, that He is the one who did it, not them. He is the one who set them free through the blood of an atoning sacrifice. This is important. And what's the application? It's pretty obvious, isn't it? That is we as we think about as we think about our mission as a church, not only are we to think about those out there, but think about the young people in our midst, our children. The, the, the fourth through second graders that are in there learning about God's Word. The children sitting here in the, in the, in the pew. We want them to make sure they understand. Not just that, just that they sat through it. <laughs> I remember sitting through sermons. We want them to understand. And sometimes you do have to sit through it, kids. I'm sorry. You're doing that now, some of you. That's okay. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm speaking life and, and the light of, of the gospel to you. And, and it's important that they understand. Talk to your kids about what they're hearing in church. Talk to them about what we do. Talk to them about what we're going to start in the next week with Advent. Why do we do that? Why do we light the candles? Why do we celebrate the way we do? Why is it so important? We must keep telling the good news to the generations to come. If we don't talk about it, if it's not on our lips, if we're not... We don't, we don't talk about the joy and the peace and the, and the life we find in Christ. They're not going to believe it. And it's not just in the way you talk about it. It's even in the way you repent. The way you talk about the reality of your sin. The way you talk about your neediness. Not just when you get it right, but when you get it wrong. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. We have to remember and we have to pass this on to our kids. That God is the all-sufficient one, El Shaddai, who delivered his people. That's the memorial. Second, the moment. The moment finally comes. God comes through. We've been told again and again and again what God's going to do. Throughout this chapter, from, from from Exodus one, we saw the problem, and then God shows up in the in the in the burning bush and says, Moses, this is what's going to do. I'm going to do it. I'm going to set you free. I'm going to set you free. Here's how I'm going to do it. It's coming. It's coming. And finally, we're here. And they're loading up in the middle of the night. And they're getting all the kids together with their lamps, and they're the, getting the unleavened dough, and they're and they're on the move, and six hundred thousand men plus women and children, probably over two million people, leaving at once. I mean, that's like Atlanta traffic, right? I mean, I mean that's I can't. I mean, can you? I can't even think about that. I mean, you know, I'm going. I've been to uh, to uh, the Alabama, you know, Bryant Denny Stadium, and I've seen a hundred thousand people in one place. Now, you know, multiply that times six, that's the men, and then triple or quadruple that, and they're all leaving. It's happened. This, this, this Pharaoh has said, no, you know, you know, yeah, I'll let you go if you stop this. now I'll let you go if you stop the locusts, if you stop the plagues. And finally, he's like, go. And he does, he's, not, he's not negotiating anymore. He's not saying just take the men or just take, leave the flocks. He says, take, you go, take your women, take your children, take your flocks. And here, take our stuff too. Whatever you, what, and he's like paying them to leave. God promised, he said at the very beginning, earlier in the chapter, earlier in the book, this is what's going to happen. Not only are you going to leave as slaves, you're going to leave rich. You're going to leave with the riches. You're going to plunder those who hold keep you captive. And it all comes true. And what's the application? The moment always comes. God always delivers. I challenge you to find one promise in the Scripture that has not been kept by Yahweh. Now, you go, well, what about New Testament? Yeah, there are some that haven't happened yet. Or have been partially completed in the coming of Christ. It will be fully consummated when He comes again. But think about it. Think about it. Um, the very first promise, God says what? I'm going to give you... Uh, you know, there'll be a, a seed of the woman crush the head of the serpent. He gives hope. And then there's a, there's a person that, that, you know, he extends that, that covenant promise to Abraham. And he finds this old man, this old woman, and says, I'm going to give you a child. And he does it. And then he says, then, you know, Jacob's sitting there doubting and wrestling with God. And he goes, no, I, the, the promise is still real. I'm still going to help you. I'm still going to bless you. And you're going to, a nation's going to come for you. And God does it. And then, and then you show up, and they and they He says, "I'm going to make you a mighty nation. You're going to be most so so. You know, so many of you. There's going to be you like the sand of the seashore, like the, the stars in the heavens. And here we see over two million people leaving. He comes through, and he says, "I'm going to take you to a land." And he does that, and he gives it to them. and and again and again and again. And then I'm going to give you a king, but a good king, and he gives you David. And then ultimately, the promise is fulfilled in Christ's coming. And every time. God makes a promise. He comes through. Think about your own life. Think about the the Lord's prayer. Lord, give us our daily bread. Has He provided up to this point? Has He given you what you need? Has He helped you through temptation? Has He delivered you from evil? That doesn't mean that you're without sin, but that you're not overcome by it. You're not a slave to it any longer. He keeps His promises again and again and again. And not just a little bit, but always abundantly. Not just I'm gonna let you free, you're gonna get out of slavery, but you're gonna leave with the treasures of Egypt. And when Christ when Christ comes and he saves us and he dies for us and he purchases our freedom, it's not just redemption. I don't hear I'm not saying what I'm not saying, but it's every spiritual blessing. It's adoption, it's sons, it's justification. Our sins aren't held against us. It's the promise of being sanctified, it's the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. It's all these things. It's the assurance of Him coming again. Everything, all the spiritual blessings are ours in Christ. Let me ask you something. When you see this and you see God promise, you see Him come through, why do you still doubt? I still doubt. Sometimes life can be so hard. And things can seem so dark. It's hard to see. It's hard to remember these truths. And that's what verse 42 jumps out at me. (laughs) It was a night watching of the Lord to bring them out of the land of Egypt so this same night is a watching, a night of watching kept by the Lord, by all the people of Israel throughout their generations. I love that it's in the, in the middle of the night, in the darkness, that God brings them out. When they couldn't see. The, the, the last, I mean, no one starts a trip back then. They didn't have cars with headlights. No one would, let's set out in the middle of the night. Unless you were, it was unplanned, or you're trying to escape under cover of darkness. No, this was, this was a victory march in night. And again, God lifts, takes them out. God shows up. And, and what is, how does this encourage us? Well, it reminds, us, reminds me of Psalm 121. I lift my eyes to the hills. and where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. In the middle of the night, they awaken. God's already at work. God is not sleeping. God is not asleep at the wheel. He is working and he says it's time to go and he leads them out. In the middle of the night, when I struggle to believe, when I struggle, when I doubt God's goodness, His covenant faithfulness, is when those dark times, when I can't see. But God's always working, and even in the darkness. Our God doesn't slumber nor sleep, and the darkness of this world will not overcome Him. He is the light of the world. Thirdly, I want you to see this. I want you to see the memorial. We have to remember. We have to remember. Remember there's, there's a moment where God always comes through. And then finally, there's this mission that you see. This mission. It's beautiful. Um, verse, verse 43. He starts talking about who can have Passover. And at first, if you read it, you might read it and go, well, this is really restrictive. No foreigner shall eat of it. Look at this restriction. Look at this exclusivity of God. Look at the conditions he puts on it. only way you can eat it is if you've been circumcised. The males, that is, of course. Um, no foreigner or hired servant may eat of it. But look, what I want you to see isn't, the, isn't restriction. I want you to see welcome. And that's what you need to see. Look, look at the welcome of this. There is no distinction between slave or free. And think about how important that is. In a culture where everyone was either a slave, or you know, you were either a slave or you were free. That I mean, slavery was not just something that happened in the deep south. It happened, it was all over the world. For, for thousands and thousands of years. That was just how it was. And God says, you were slaves for 400 years. So now, the way we're going to relate to each other, whether you're in charge or not, whether you're a slave or free, this meal is for you. My grace, my mercy is to you. And what's required is not just the cutting off flesh. But what is a sign? Again, remember we talked about this. Circumcision was not a, a duty to be performed in order to earn God's favor. It was a sign to the person, to the man of God's covenant faithfulness. His promise. His promise. And if you're trusting in God, if you're depending on Him. And you're willing to be set apart with this mark. Then you may dine. You may partake. You may... Remember and acknowledge that this God, this God of, of judgment and of justice, but also a God of mercy, the mercy is unto you if you trust in Him. Even the foreigner, even the person that wasn't even there, you didn't have to be in Egypt. You could be the next generation or you could be someone passing through that hears the story of Yahweh, the God of Israel, and goes, I've heard of that. I see the testimony. I see His blessing you. I see how He delivered you, not just as slaves in the desert, but took care of you and provided for you and gave you plunder from the Egyptians. He is the true God. Yes. Yes. The God of power and and the god of mercy and grace and Israel is to be the nation the light of the nations inviting people in God's God's he, from the very beginning it was no distinction between slave or free no distinction between Israel or the foreigner it says that one law and one rule should be for you and the stranger who sojourns with you and he keeps repeating that he repeats it in numbers 15 and other places one god one law one people if you rely and trust in him. And you see that this comes true if you go up to verse 38 when it says and this is beautiful a mixed multitude went with them. It wasn't just ethnic Jews. And you see that, you see that in this this principle in Moses' wife Zipporah was not of Israel. You see it Throughout Scripture, you see it in Rahab, who is, what? An ancestor of David. And so you have this this principle of bringing the people in, God being the God of the nations, even in the Old Testament. You see the memory, the memorial, the moment that's been longed for, that the memorial points, to, points back to, the mission of what Israel is supposed to be. And there's a fourth uh, point that I left out, I wanted to say for the end, but you probably see it coming, starts with an M, it's Messiah. <laughs> if you think about this, if you read this story, you realize, you know what, Israel doesn't do its job very well. <laughs> and Israel does forget And 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 the moment doesn't have the lasting effects that they would hope. But it all points to the Messiah. At the very beginning, when God's talking to, to Abraham, he says, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse, and you in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. If Israel fails, how can that be kept? How can that be true? Well, we see that in Galatians 3 8. When Paul says, and the scripture, for seeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. It's through the, the child of Abraham, the seed of the woman, the child of Abraham, the descendant of Isaac, the descendant of, of Israel, the descendant of David. It's it's through Jesus. Later on, Isaiah, realizing the failure of the kingdom of Israel, the failure of Judah, he, he prophesies in Isaiah 2-4, he says, It shall come to pass in latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it. And many people shall come and say, Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord and to the house of of God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations. He shall decide disputes for the peoples. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. The promise is still there. The, the hope is still there that through Israel shall come this the, the blessing of the nations. And then in Isaiah 60, it ends with this. He says, Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness of the peoples. Thick darkness of the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you and His glory will be seen upon you and the nations shall come to your light and the kings to the brightness of your rising. And so people, listen. As we look at this and think about the memorial and we think about the moment and we think about the mission, Christ is the better Christ's coming is the moment that this moment points to. Uh, This supper is the memorial that this memorial points to. Um, The mission that that Israel was given, they failed, but the greater Israel, the the, the greater Son of God came and fulfilled it. Because John says... um, as he looks at, 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 at Dave, at looks at Jesus, he speaks of Jesus, he's referencing back to this, he says, For these things took place in the scripture that might be fulfilled, that not one of his bones will be broken. You notice that in the last verses, that this, this lamb that must be slain, not one of its bones will be broken. Jesus is the greater pa- Passover lamb. He is not just pointing to the atonement, he is the atonement. Jesus has come, bringing a better sacrifice and a better deliverance and accomplishing the mission that Israel could not. Accomplishing the, fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah. Jesus is the light to the nations. His church, whom His Spirit works, is the light to the nations. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness shall not overcome it. The Messiah has come. The, the, the greater exodus, not just delivering from slavery uh, to a foreign leader, to an evil power, to false gods, but slavery to sin and death and condemnation. Christ, the better sacrifice, has come. And we have here this, which is more than a memorial, but it is a memorial. It points us back to the reality And you realize that, again, as weird as it was when God says, here's this thing I want you to do in remembrance of what I'm about to do, God does the same thing. Jesus does the same thing, doesn't He? He's sitting at Passover, this Passover meal that was instituted before the Passover happened. And the greater Passover, before it happened, God shows up and says, I want you to change it. I want you to do this. Because this is about to be fulfilled. And as long as you gather together, I want you to drink of it and eat of it and know... That the true Passover lamb has come. That the, true, the, the mission has been, will be accomplished. That light shines in the darkness and it shall not overcome it. And so, God always comes through. And, and, and you and I struggle to remember that in the dark times. This is why we come each Sunday. This is why we rest. This is why we take of the meal. So that we know, we know that it's real. And we know that we can rest in Him, the great Passover Lamb, the greater Lamb, the greater sacrifice, the greater Israel, the great I Am, the all-sufficient God. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank You for this, Your Word. And we pray that You would help us, help us to remember these things and know that You are El Shaddai, the all-sufficient One the God who's more than enough. You want us to remember this. Help us to remember. You want us to, to know that you always come through. Help us to know that, even in the dark times. We thank you that you show up and deliver us when we cannot. Um, we pray that this meal would, would drive these truths home for us and bless us and draw us to, your, to yourself. Um, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.